This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Who let the dogs out? Come and have a go if you think you parched it off. <laughs> that should be the billboard. You know, it wasn't full way Lineker, but it was, you know, we had a good yeah. summer. Statistically, Dave, is it a thing? Yes. Year six mm. was probably my peak. After he'd slammed the door, there was a bit of a sheepish... So, I mean, football's a different world, isn't it? Like... <laughs> Hello and welcome to that Peter Crouch podcast with me, Peter Crouch. I've got Chris Stark, got your name there, <laughs> Hello. and Statman Dave, they're both with me, you right? Yeah, good, Dave. Yeah, very good. Been passing the pod this week. I thought, you know what, if I tell the listeners to do it, I've got to do it myself. So we had a guy selling me internet, he now knows about the podcast, and one of my taxi drivers, Dan, I think it was, he also knows about the pod now, so done some good work. That's two people in a week, and that's a, that's a decent start. Taxi companies as well, you know they want five-star rating, don't they? And I think you say, look... Five stars for taxi drivers that subscribe to that Peter Crouch podcast. Yeah, okay. Throw them there we'll and get then. Get that out there as well. Quick reminder, everyone, we've got Crouchy's England Man of the Match champagne on offer for the most ingenious way that we see somebody passing the pod. We've had so many people get in touch about this and we're going to give the bottle away on the final episode of the series. Decent gift that when you think about it. I think it's quite good. I mean, Ab said to me the other day, we was in there and, and she said, my earth would you give that away? And I thought, Actually, what am I doing? <laughs> um, I've said it now, and I'm not going back on it. Yeah, exactly. You've committed now. You're in. So we've got a few messages from listeners who've been passing the pods. Shall I kick this off? Uh, message from... They want to be anonymous, this person. I work at Iceland and was packing an online order whilst listening to the Joe Cole episode. This particular customer wanted some pancakes. Here we go. So I stuck a handwritten note saying, pass the pod Peter Crouch podcast on Spotify. Onto the pancakes. Ah, oh, superb. Yeah. yeah that's I, good. Handwritten note. Surprised we haven't had a pancake company get in touch. Is there a prominent pancake company? Because <laughs> I could be the I, face, couldn't I? There's no prominent ones that spring to mind. No, but that's opportunity. This is like when Bird's Eye went, you know what? I should be the face of breaded fish. <laughs> Stark pancakes will be the new one. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Should we move on to another message, this time from Ollie. Uh, I'm a gardener, listen to the pod whilst working. I passed the pod on to a 96-year-old customer who inquired who I was playing on my speaker. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the internet, a computer, or a mobile. So I went home, downloaded your episode onto an old phone. He now loves the pod and is working away through all of them. Thanks for cheering him up. Maybe we should be releasing that Peter Crouch podcast on vinyl or something for the older generation. For the older, for the older gentlemen. Yeah. Maybe on tape, that'd be quite good. Although, yeah, yeah, we could, I mean, we could do it. It might end up costing quite a bit of money if we're just thinking through logistics of this. He's done a good job. He's passed the pod to someone that's never heard about the pod. This demographic here, 96 years old, that's big. Yeah. It's very old. <laughs> yeah. 96. 96. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play. You get um you get a letter from the Queen at a hundred, don't you? Mm. Do you reckon you'll live that long? No, God no. When do you reckon you'll go? <laughs> Early. I'm like a great Dane. You know, like great Danes, like you, their hearts just don't they can't deal with how big they are. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I've had a great life. 
I've loved every minute of it. <laughs> Message from Layla. I know nothing about football, but find your pod weirdly refreshing when listening to you chatting in the pub. I've now passed the pod to my dad and brothers who are both Spurs season ticket holders and my husband who supports Arsenal. Fantastic. Yeah, I like this. I always like this when, you know, when people who don't like football like listening. You know, you don't have to love football, do you, to to enjoy this, I'd like to think. Yeah, totally. Also, I love that family dynamic there. So dad and brother of Layla support Spurs, but her fella supports Arsenal. Bit of daughter housery there. It is daughter an Arsenal fan into the uh, into the equation. <laughs> that is an interesting dilemma. I reckon there'll be lots of people listening who have a family member, whether it's your daughter or your son or your sister or your brother, that has suddenly started dating someone that supports a rival team to the rest of your family. Yeah, and it's a tricky one, how isn't do you, it? How do you go about things? Like, is it is it okay? I mean, if your daughter. Um, well, let's talk about you. What about your daughter? Your daughter? A, no, no, I'll ask first. Um, if, you, if you brought home a Luton fan, you'd be happy with that? Or? I dread the idea of that. However much shit I would give them, think about it, they, they ultimately... Win. <laughs> so I ask you the same question. It's a real challenging one, isn't it? Like, as, a, as a father-in-law, you're better, I think, to not give out too much shit. Because ultimately they have the last uh, laugh. The Trump card. (laughs) (laughs) If they really wanted to. They've got that in the back pocket, which... And that would be the last thing I would ever want to hear. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I think if that card was played, things are going to end badly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nuclear option, isn't it? (laughs) It has to have happened. You can't chance it. You just can't, lads. Unfortunately for me, it's a no. You're out then. You're out. Yeah, you're done. It'd be fascinating to know, Layla, has your husband ever gone nuclear? <laughs> and I think it's slightly different for you, Layla, because it's your husband now. Do you know what I mean? No, no, it's not no, like, no, are you, this is my new friend, you know, no. which is just a nightmare situation. The flip side of that is, husband, already in the family, difficult to get him out now. So he could go nuclear and there's not much the father-in-law can yeah. do. Yeah. Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, got another one? Yeah, we've got a message from Tom. A uh, little update on the Jack Grealish situation. I was recently in Ibiza and bumped into the legend that is Jack Grealish in Ocean Beach. I was chewing his ear off about a few things, the main one being the pod. Jack told me that Crouchy was a legend, but he reckons he could drink you under the table. I'd like to take him up on that. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. I think I would get the better of him. Just, I think, experience, know-how. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I would take him, yeah. On the last podcast, we talked about how Grealish had just gone straight to Ibiza. We talked a lot about Wayne Lineker and his involvement in the Man City setup. And so it's amazing, actually, that after discussing that, you've managed to go and pass the pod to Jack Grealish. That is good. That's that's absolute class from you, actually. And you're not just passing the pod there. You're also trying to get a guest onto the podcast. Like You're trying to book a guest for us. Doing some production work as well. I'll give him a shout out. It would be great to get on the pod, though. I reckon it's loads to talk about with him. Pleasure of meeting him a few times. Like, great lad, really good lad. Um, someone with like, loads of ability, but it looks like he's enjoying himself. And, you know, he's a, he'd be great on this pod. All right, let's get into this then. So this podcast is going to be all about that period when a new manager comes into the club. There's loads I want to find out about this Crouchy. Mm. New manager bounce, how they impress you, how you impress them. You know, from them arriving at the training ground the first day, how you're judging them, how they're judging you. 
lots to go at. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing having a new manager bounce through the door. And those first impressions are so important. Talk us through it. How does it work? You know, the first thing is the, is the group speech, I always think, is a key moment. Um, usually if a manager's come in mid-season and, uh, you know, so it's a new manager. And the reason for that is you're struggling. You know, you don't, don't replace a manager or if you if they're not doing well. So, um, yeah, the first the first meeting is like always quite key. How he's going to get us out of this situation, what he thinks the best um, way forward, and uh, and where it's been going wrong. And uh, sometimes it can be really inspiring, and sometimes you can, you know, walk away yeah. thinking, "Oh shit!" Does it happen as a group? Or does the manager... Well, I often see videos of managers coming in coming shaking in, hands. Coming in, shaking hands. That's what usually happens. So you'll come in and he might be in there. He's usually there really early, you know, getting um, used to the, his surroundings. Uh, he might have been in the day before as well. And then he'll come in and you're like, you know, here's the new manager, obviously stand up. He'll shake his hand and, you know, he might say something about how you've been playing or or about your attributes. So he might not say anything to you at all. People are trying to read into exactly what he's thinking with those first few words straight away. Yeah, I think it's a good think, sign if he knows your name because you often see on these videos, it's like it's clear the manager knows some of the players. I think, you know... It's been, I, to, I always think that can't be real, but I think I actually think that's how it is. You know, especially some of these foreign managers that come in, like might not have watched all yeah. the games, you know, and they might walk, not know a player's name, unfortunately. But it's all um, good if you're stood next to someone, right? So he's like, Crouchy, Peter, great to meet you. Yeah, yeah bang. Uh, uh, and you. <laughs> and, you. <laughs> and what's your name? <laughs> Defoe, sir. <laughs> in fairness to the manager, if you haven't had that long, if you've been doing a job interview two days before, as it sometimes seems, there's only so much you can know about a club. And it's got to be, it's got to be up to speed, quick. You know, it's difficult. I mean, to take over in a different country, you you won't have watched all the games, and obviously, yeah, they will work out the get up to speed they'll you know people like Dave will get him loads of videos on on the team and um and get him up to speed but at first yeah I mean listen you might not know some of all the players names do they ever shit on the manager before no very rarely I think that's sort of like a like manager's code a little bit like very rarely do they say he was dog shit wasn't he <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like a little bit more diplomatic you can see when someone's assertive and confident I think that is the main thing with a manager you've got to be very you've got to, to get the players on board you've got to believe what you're saying or at least make people believe what you're saying in that first meeting do they talk about their philosophy we'll probably do you know quite a bit of training stuff like that and then we might have a meeting after training about how he wants to play and what he wants to do and you know explaining things but yeah, it's it's always it's always a really interesting time. Dave, you've got the list of managers Crouchy has been at the club for their first day. So it's their first day there. Who 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 did the best first speech that you can remember? So Ian Holloway. Oh, that must have been good. Eve's great. Comedy. Really good. No, he just um he's really passionate about football and that's one manager that I was I would have liked to have stuck around and played for more. Um I didn't spend a great deal of time with him because I, I left quite soon after he came in. Um but I loved him. I, I knew I knew we'd really get on, but it was, it was unfortunate I moved on pretty quickly. David O'Leary next up, Aston Villa. Yeah, like we didn't see particularly eye to eye. Um he came in and uh, you could see there was a big air of confidence with him. It's difficult for me to say 
without me sounding bitter because I didn't play. He walks in and he's like, oh, Juan Pablo Angel, the rise for sale. Like, all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, move. He, he didn't, he moved it on very quick. He wasn't, he, I could see he wasn't part of his plan. You got that um, from the first day. Didn't yeah. Think? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't I got that, that incredible that you. I got that impression. Yeah. I guess throughout your career, you've seen both sides, you've seen other players get that same treatment. And obviously, you it's only right you experienced that probably at some point. Mm. But I'm really interested that it happens so quickly that you, yeah, you get, that. get that impression. And also, you know, like in training, like you'll see him arm around the shoulder of players, like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, like how to improve this and that. And like, so I'm not having much dialogue here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's where you get it. Like you don't, you understand that, you know, I'm not going to be his first choice. Yeah. Was there a real buzz though? Because obviously he did great things with Leeds United, Champions League semi-final, coming to Villa. It feels like it was a progressive appointment for them at the time, but inside for you wasn't... Oh, I thought it was I thought it was quite a good appointment. Like, I think he was good. And, you know, there was, I think we got into Europe. Um, you know, I ended up, I ended up scoring a goal, like coming on late, late off the bench and scoring a, a good goal. And uh, way at Middlesbrough, I think it was. I think we, ended, we got into the UEFA Cup at the time. We did okay like, under him for a while, you know, pretty pretty well. So I think it was a good fit, and I think you know players b- believed in him and stuff. Um, but it, it just it just was awful for me. Well, I'm interested to know if you sort of known what he was like as a manager. Did you have concerns that you might not be on the same level with him for whatever reason, or was this all stuff that happened from the moment he arrived? No, I didn't know. I didn't know how how it would go, um, but. Uh, yeah, it, it it didn't go very well from, from from pretty early on, and I knew the writing was on the wall, unfortunately. And I was gutted to see Graham Taylor leave because he he really believed in me. He signed me. Um, I was only a young lad. To see him go was was a bit of a killer because that was the man that gave me my Premier League debut. They always get asked in press conferences, "Have you spoken to the previous manager?" And never give away too much. But do you know much about that? Does that happen? And and then I wonder, is it a case that you know, if a manager before is enthusing about a player, maybe. Well, also as well, like if, if you if you go to a manager and say, like, it might be probably better if you don't. Like, yeah. if you go, you start with a clean slate, aren't you, with every player? Uh, if you go to the old manager and say, um, you know, what's he like? He goes, shite. <laughs> <laughs> you better start and I think you take people as you find them. I totally agree with you, but then who's David O'Leary been talking to? Because... For some reason, he wasn't keen. He wasn't keen on me. So what have you done there? That's a valid point. Any um, nightclub incidences? Plenty, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them involving O'Leary. <laughs> that you know of. Wouldn't it be great to get him on and, and it all turns out all of this was based on <laughs> something he saw in some nightclub or it's been reported back to him? Because for managers, I guess, it's first impressions for them as well. Like As much as we're talking about it from your side of things, it's interesting that... Um, what, what managers must see on their first day. And I wonder if he came into the club with a preconception of you or in that first meeting you didn't shake his hand hard enough or something mm. and he lost all respect for you almost immediately. <laughs> There's a guy I know, uh, sort of knew, and um, when you go to shake his hand, he does it really limp. And this guy on is purpose. quite a successful guy, but he does it. We always wondered this, like, I never liked shaking his hand because he would always just like barely, barely hold it. Goes through me that. We think it might have been a power move. Like we think it might have been because it it throws you so much that you're sat there and it's 
quite. Is it know. a two finger like one? It's just do you like. Keep, do just, do I'll do show you what it's like. It's like that. Oh. <laughs> so it doesn't even get full committed with this. That's, oh, that's, that's I didn't what I mean. like that at all. No, it's not pleasant, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it throws you, and it wasn't one off. Like this, this would happen regularly. I've got a list of managers, Crouchy, that you were there for the first day. Can you describe their handshakes? O'Leary would have a would have a proper handshake, a bit old yeah. school kind of vibes. I mean, you know, Holloway, yeah, same. Um, Steve Wigley came in, but he was a coach already, really, so he was around the place. He didn't get that first handshake. Paul Hart, strong handshake. Redknapp, not, not as strong as, you know, as you might think. Yeah. You know, reasonably, like, sure of himself, but not a crusher. Tony Adams, as you'd expect. Crusher. Uh it's a it's a it's a knuckle crusher. Um, when Tony Adams arrived first day, do you judge a manager? Do you see like what car they turn up in on that first day, or do you see? Well, what I think for Tony Adams, like again, he was a coach with Harry before yeah. he sort of took over. As a player, I think um, it might have been slightly different to how he was as a as a manager a bit. Um, obviously, I had the utmost respect for him because as a player, for me, I would say he's the hardest centre half I've played against. For me, he was one of the best that we've ever produced. Um, so I had the utmost respect for him. We, uh, I can't remember who we played, but I remember we were all sitting there and no, what, it's a bit of a lottery. You know, he's been a coach, but like, what's his actual opinion of the team? All the players are inside the bit. He's got the whole squad was obviously his first uh, team talk. And it's just before the game, an hour and a half before kickoff. And he came in and he gave a, a really rousing sort of Tony Adams speech, as you'd expect. And then, sort of burst back out through the door and everyone went, that was like, I'm up for it. That was, that was big. It was a great first sort of speech. And then we all looked over and went, he doesn't name the team, is he? <laughs> <laughs> so what happened at that point? Did you, you, did you pick the team? Uh, no, the- we all just sort of looked around and went like, no one knew how to get changed or there was a few like that wouldn't be in the squad because it was too many for the whole squad. So we all just went, we just sat there for another sort of like 20 seconds looking around going oh and then there was after he'd slammed the door there was a bit of a sheepish oh, no, no. <laughs> came back in and went um unnamed the team there <laughs> what he should have done i think is send the assistant in as if yeah. that's what he does and then stick with that you know for like the rest of the season it would have been like he does this speech he goes out bang he's gone and then the assistant reads. the messenger yeah like he, as if that's beneath him at the moment, there's a chink in anyone's armour, players are on it. That would have been an amazing style of management that actually does a rousing speech. And then the the sort of experiment or the gimmick of it is that you are left as a squad to decide your best team. So as a that's, management... That's, mm, that's very, very good. Yeah, as a, ma- a management idea is like these guys... Laissez-faire. Yeah. That's good. Like let them like fight it out who's going to be the 11 that come out. Yeah, but then that is a representation of you as the manager. So, like, if you're on the sideline there, you've done that, which I think is a great idea. Like, let them sort out, pick a team. And then when you're on the sideline there and you see the team and you go, oh, not him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Free shit. Wouldn't it be great is as the team walk out the tunnel, that's the first time the manager sees Sees who's playing. And then their job is to just manage from there on in. Yeah, yeah. Just manage. Yeah. Because it's always assumed the manager should pick the team, but actually maybe there's an argument here that someone else, including the players, should decide what the best team is that week. And then it's the manager's job to manage. 
You know, it's one of those mad sort of situations. Like, if you're down the bottom of the league, something crazy that needs to be done just to get them out of this rock bottom that they're in. Go in and say, right, lads, you know the teams better than me. You know each other you know better. What's than going me. on in your personal lives? I and feel. Everything. I feel like that could work. I feel like it, <laughs> it'd be amazing on, to try. Honestly, it? <laughs> I feel like that because you'd be like, right, because you would, you would, wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to lose, would you? If you go, right, this is on you now. Like, good luck. I'm going to yeah. walk out, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to help you, but it's on you. JMO's put himself up front again, that kind of thing. Like, it's a new goalie. It's like, I never thought of that myself. Like, didn't know they had it in their locker. I was just thinking, like, Man United, right? I reckon Ten Hag should go in there, right? For, do, and do that. You lot been a disgrace last year. Yeah. Right? Blaming everyone else. Blaming everyone else, right? You, you, the players, we've had loads of managers. You, the players, sort this out. First game of the season, pick your formation, pick the players you think that play. Come to this decision together as a team. I think it could bring them closer together. Yeah. And then he takes it from there. And yeah. you take it from yeah. there. I think they already tried that. Yeah, yeah. they did last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried it last year, didn't they? Tried a few times. you remember you told us about Gerard? So when a new player would come in, he would just nail balls at a player and it was a, like sink or swim mm. situation. And you saw players fall apart in that first training session. Do you as a team or, or individually ever try and challenge the manager just on that first training session? In a similar way Stevie G did with breaking in new players. Mm. Do you try and sort of just nibble a little bit or just... Pick at the manager. No, I don't think so. I think there's a... You can't do that. I think first day, everyone, the level of training goes up. I think that's why they do it. You know, mid-season, like you, there's that new manager effect where they come in and the level of training goes up. Everyone, like, wants to be in the gym and everyone's trying to impress. Everyone's eating the right things. Everyone's staying late. You know, it's a clean slate for everyone. So, you know, you would be foolish to start nitpicking at the manager you, know? you do hear of the new manager bounce it's a it's a phrase banded around quite a lot statistically dave is it a thing yes so i've done five seasons looked at 37 managerial changes in the premier league so when you look through the data out of the 37 30 of those cases they average more points per game in the next five games than they did in the previous x amount in the season Mm. So yes, big effect. Eighty-one percent of the time, it has an impact. But that's often what that's you're. Big, but that's what you're describing is effectively just a kick up the ass, as in people are eating well, training as they should. Like it's not the magician new manager, is it? No, I mean it, training it, goes up. It's like it's just a. It, you know, if you're you, you get a new boss, for instance, at work, yeah. you're in on time, aren't you? That first day, like without doubt. It's just it's just human nature, unfortunately. <laughs> like you should be. You know, you should be able to. You should look in the mirror and you should work as hard as you possibly can every single day. Like, but it's human nature to when someone new comes in to want to impress them more. Unfortunately, yeah, it's called the new manager bounce, isn't it? But actually, do you think the managers are getting credit for something that isn't really? Sometimes, yeah. yeah sometimes I think. Um, so, but like, like sometimes you get stuck in a rut and like fresh ideas and something new is a good thing. You know, you get, you know, it's the same with relationships. You might, you know, 
there might be people out there that you're just stuck in one that's just, you know, you can get by, but it's not great. And then you get a fresh new one. A new relationship bounce. Uh, and the new relationship bounce. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... What does that mean? Well, you suddenly start wearing nicer clothes. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like, shave your pubes, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Like. You know what I'm saying? It's exactly right. You know, you, you've got like, you're wearing a trackie, then you go, like, you're not even going out anymore. You're like, oh, let's just watch Britain's Got Talent. On, you know, <laughs> now you can, and you've got a suit on, you're at a new restaurant, the barn, it's good. Yeah. Shade of shade. You, as you say, the pubes are all gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I just wanted to say statistically, everything you say in Crouchy is bang on that you tend to see because managers get sacked at the bottom of the performance <laughs> of the club. <laughs> so statistically, you're going to shave those pubes and you're going to be on the up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ten hogs come in, new pubes, everything. They're all just. <laughs> We get any stats on the new relationship bounce? Yeah. We'll have a look next next week. If you want to send in to the email address. Yeah, it's peter.crouch at acast.com. And then we could start building that up if we can get around 37, um, you know, situations of new ma- new relationships. I, I definitely got a new relationship bounce. When I um, started seeing my, my now wife, suddenly I was getting... she. But a lot of it was from her side as well. She managed... She was a great manager. She... Um, she came in and she sort of started getting me nice clothes for Did Christmas. Did you say your wife was a great manager? Was, yeah, just like, no, what I mean is she was buying buying me nice clothes. And at the time I thought, oh, it's a nice present and all. I think she was just trying to sort of tidy me up a little bit. Do you, do you think she came in and went, Diamond in well, the rough. I think that's exactly exactly what it was. I think and, that's what Ab did with me. And how was she as a manager? It was immediate impact. There was an immediate impact, yeah. Yeah, yeah the strangled pumas um, went... The half-mast jeans were, yeah. were gone. Yeah. Um, my Lyle and Scott jumpers that were too big for me in the bin. Yeah. And things improved. Did you feel physically fitter with the new manager? <laughs> yeah, I did. I felt I felt like I was, you know, in a good place. I felt more confidence. Um, he gave me more confidence, or did she, she did. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... That's great to hear. <laughs> and a much different experience to David O'Leary. No one's been O'Learyed on the first first date, surely. <laughs> <laughs> the problems are the the improvements, such as we saw with a few of the managers I was looking at, such as a Mike Jackson at Burnley, uh, Carlos Cavallo at Swansea, uh, Nigel Pearson at Watford, or Darren Moore at West Brom, all had massive bounces in the first five games, but each of those teams got relegated at the end of the season. What what you're saying there, those teams, there is a, a new manager bounce, but it's very hard to maintain the sus- bounce. They don't sustain it. All those teams I mentioned there doubled their previous points per game with the new manager in the first five, God, but it my- ended in nothingness. Chumba Wumba. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One of the managers we got on the list is Mark Hughes. He came into Stoke and tried to change the style from Tony Pulis. What was that like? We, we actually, as players, we thought we had a we had a good 
group now. And we felt like we, we didn't have to play the way we were playing. We felt like we could adapt a little bit. Um, so it was it was quite welcome, really, in the end, the, the appointment of Mark Hughes. And then when he came in... Um, yeah, it was. It, it felt good. It was. It was difficult to do straight away. Obviously, we needed to, to sign maybe two or three more players. But you know that it, that was a, a management change that really did work. Like the first sort of three years, I think we we ended up sort of changing styles, but it became more enjoyable. We bought more quality, and there was a period where we had really good players. We had that old school mentality, and I think we finished ninth or in the top ten three seasons on the spin. We did really, really well. And then obviously we've discussed in the relegation episode, you know, things went too far the other way. But yeah, it was good. And what Mark Hughes did was actually, I thought was really interesting, was at the start of the season, he put up like um, like a slideshow. And it was like basically like each month, the fixture list, Arsenal, you might have Burnley, Villa and Man United, right? In that year. So you've got those four games. And he would say, how many points would you take from that month? And we'd all guess. We'd usually overestimate what was written down. So we would say something like three points from that game, from all those four games, right? That would be a realistic, what he thinks will happen in that game. You know, was it what? realistic or was it was he being pessimistic? No, or? it was like, it felt like it was being pessimistic yeah. for, for, for that. So you might say four points, like a win and a draw out of those four games. And you go, well, no, hold on, not, we can win three of those. Because you know, you're always over, you think... Sort of over guess. So we're all going, oh yeah, we'll get nine points from that. You know, we'll get eight points from that. And he said, no, we'll get four. And then he, he touched it all up. And then that, the whole season. And then we thought, wow, he's undershot this massively. And then the total points will come up and it will be sort of the top eight finish statistically. And you go, wow, you go, all those games are like every month it felt was low. And you, then you turn it up at the end of the season, you think, like, that is doable. You don't have to win that many to have a really, really good season. Doesn't that make you complacent? No, I, I think it made you, like, believe. Puts a connection in your mind, right? Between, because around that mid-table mark, like you're saying, if you pick four points up from a really tough month, yeah. that's four points that, let's say, your rivals are not going to do. Mm. So I think it's an interesting thing. It's like bringing it round. So... Mark didn't really go down the line of being like, we want to play out from the back. We want to play more football. But it was more like, here's a carrot. This is what you guys can achieve. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we worked on things in training, like, oh, you know, straight away, centre-halves were split in from the, from the goalkeeper. We were playing out and, you know, rather than, you know, straight away we're up at the halfway line and we're, we're hitting me. Um, we were playing out from the back and we got players, to, you know, Mark Muniesia came in and... Um, he was he was comfortable on the ball as a centre half, and then yeah, we got good midfielders. We had in Zonzi, um, you know, Glenn Whelan, players that could play in there. It was it was good, and obviously Marco Nautovic was a big signing for us, and you know we kicked on from there. But yeah, he, he implemented a new style, and it was it worked really really well um, for two three seasons, and then like I say, you know, he lost the characters, and I think we went too far the other way. But it was it was interesting him coming in and developing a completely new style to how we played before. Dave, when did Mark Hughes start at Stoke? So actually started on the 30th of May 2013, so I had the full summer to get things started. Exactly, so that must be so different when a manager has that time before to prepare and bring you into that season uh, compared to the impact of a manager coming in halfway through a season or short notice. Mm. You know you know what he had, like... Um, a guy called Damien Roden, right? Which he's wrote a book recently, actually. If you, um, yeah, if you want to, I've given him a little promotion there. But it's really good. It's like a guide to sort of being um, 
an elite player. Um, but I, I thought he was really good. So like got in touch straight away, you know, gave us a program over the summer, came in and everything was structured. And um, it, it looked really, really professional. It felt really professional and things sort of went up a level and it was a sort of really good appointment. You know, Mark Hughes, but also his team, like Eddie Nizvicki, um and Damien and Mark Bowen. They were a good, good team at that time. It's probably exactly what we needed. And, um, you know, as I say, Damien sort of ran the training sessions and he, he, he planned them and everything was structured. And there was, um, you know, you could see everyone had a, a different way of training, you know, like, so it wasn't just everyone doing the same thing. Everyone, it was all individual for, for each player. And, it, uh, you know, it just, it just felt really, really professional. And it was probably, you know, why results really improved. But did Mark Hughes, because of the time he came in, did it change your summer plans? New manager what was allowed before with the previous manager or was it that you were all still going away the same way that you No, it's still wanted nice, to? <laughs> still, had a, still had a nice summer. You know, it wasn't full way Lineker, but it was, you know, we had a good, we had yeah. a good summer. It must change your summer a little bit, making sure you're fit to come back to impress oh, this yeah. new manager. Oh, yeah, like, exactly right. Yeah, like, like before the last two weeks, you know, of the summer, um, people are, people are grafting, coming back because you want to be like the first training session pre-season when the running starts, you don't want to be back in the run. No one wants to be at the back of the running. If you get beat by a keeper, you're in trouble. <laughs> Is there any housery there where you like, you know, you, you, for example, go on a night out just before the season starts to get them, you know, maybe drinking wrong. You know, you may be on the non-alcoholic beer, let's say. Oh. And they're is. on, they're sinking the laout and then you're there laughing. Pre-season housery. Um, yeah, I don't think, I hope that doesn't go on. I mean, to your own teammates. Yeah, that, to your I mean, own that, teammates. That, yeah, but Proper you know snaky behaviour. That's cutthroat. Like that, that first day of pre-season, there's players there not told anyone, you know, they've been like training every day. You know, there's a few snaky ones that come in and like, a bl- and you go, whoa, and you go, they've been training all summer. You know, how much training have you done? They go, well, like every day. <laughs> fucking slippery bastard. Has anyone, has anyone um, in one of, any of the teams done a Goretzka? So they've gone, a, they've gone away dead skinny, and then they've come back and they are Arnold Schwarzenegger. Massive. Oh, Bryson DeChambeau. Gone full Bryson. <laughs> there's a few, yeah, there's a few like that. Yeah, come back like full Bryson. Um, and there's also a few that come back, you know, a little, a little heavier than they should. That always makes us laugh. <laughs> we, always, we always enjoy that. You know, because like also like when you're getting changed after the summer as well, there's always like a few tan lines. You know, someone's really brown, or you know, someone might not be. Um, you know, give them a bit of stick, and then little things like um, you know, a little derby maybe that wasn't there in the previous season, and um, you know, might might laugh at that. <laughs> All right, so you come back from holiday, right? Mark Hughes is the manager. Does he? Because you're still new in, in the sense you've gone away for the summer, you come back, various shapes, various forms of all of you. Does he come in at that point and then, I don't know, readdress what what the team is or like base it on what you've all been like after the summer? No, I mean, I mean pre-season's quite long, isn't it? So you've yeah. got lots of time. There's no rush to sort of get into the nitty gritty of it. It's all about getting you fit and testing. Like first few, first few days you don't see a ball. First week you don't see a ball. You're um, getting tested. You're getting, um, you're doing your running, you're getting fit. I miss them bizarrely. Like, you know, I always said when you retire, you're like, oh, at least we haven't got to do pre-season anymore. I miss that. Like, I miss being like the peak of fitness like that. Like, felt like whatever 
anyone throws at you could do it. Like those pre-seasons were so hard. And you'd go away to Austria and like the great air, you know, you wouldn't touch a sip of alcohol for weeks and you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't eat anything that was unhealthy in any way. Just felt like top of your game, great, ready for the start of the season. And um, I do miss feeling like that every day. Have you ever had that, Chris? I, fe- I felt like at university, like last year of my stats degree, I thought I was the smartest I've Did ever been in my life. Did a degree in stats? Did a degree in stats. I thought I was the smartest I was. Uh-huh. I absolutely loved it. Was bang into it, dead nerdy. And it feels like that was like the peak of my intelligence. It feels like since then, it's just been a downhill. Really? So you had it with intelligence rather than fitness? <laughs> I got the fitness was absolutely shot at that really? point in my life. I think, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> a 10k so run was probably difficult at that point. Yeah, but that's but my brain was massive. Brain fitness. Brain fitness. That's interesting. Yeah. Brain fitness. Were you training a lot? Is it, Sudoku, is it... crosswords. Serious? Just to warm up. And I'd be in the library at eight, 8 in the morning. In mathematics, you'd, you know, start with the small problems, get yourself nice and warmed up, and you'd finish the day writing two or three page proofs on a statistical theorem. Cool. Did you go out or anything? Or So my problem was first How year... How were you, Dave? Um, first year, I went out too much. And I think I ended up getting like 52% in my first year, which counted some overall degree. And as I like progressed through uni, I became more and more nerdy. Final year, I got a first, but the damage had been done in first year to kind of kill the degree. But honestly, I, I, I generally really enjoyed it. It was, you know, I think I was out as much in third year. I kind of took it a bit seriously. It was just a different day, really. Yeah. But you were, you were brain fit, as you call it. Weird. Really, really weird to describe it. Yeah. Oh, so like sharp. That. It was, honestly, it felt like you were taking some sort of pill that made you smarter. That was your your peak years of physical fitness. (laughs) I'm still waiting for my peak. Ten pancakes. You know, I always said mid thirties will be my peak because I thought I'll have a bit of money and then I'll go to Vegas or something, and that would just be the epitome of my life. (laughs) Um, By mid thirties, I don't have much money, and I'm not. I've not been to Vegas yet. One day. So it's all a big disappointment then, is it? (laughs) No, it's not. I am. When was my peak? It depends what you mean by peak, because I've not had an intellectual or physical peak. Year six was my peak. Yeah. It was just a fucking vintage (laughs) year. year. Yeah. Vintage Starco. What I mean is like, year six was just a massive year. But you're very young. Only like 12 then. Euro 96. Oh, right. Um... I was in, uh, I think, sort of started having interest in girls. Mm. It was just That's like... That's peak start, Yeah, I was just like, I was Dominating in a good position at Cannon Lane School. Mm. I, I was, you know, playing football regularly. I mean, when you actually break down what life was, year six was mm. probably my peak. <laughs> wow. Imagine <laughs> year six being peak. So it's gone year six, and then like, are you on the downward from year six, Jürgen? <laughs> <laughs> you don't realise when you're at your peak when it, until it's gone until it's past gone, you by, yeah, you know, you true. didn't know. Same with your career yeah, and your true. intellect. Yeah, it's a very good point. Chris, have you got any uh, messages about new managers or anything? Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple actually. You've got a message here from Tom. It says, Ashley Cole was pictured wrapped up in a towel after Everton faced Palace at the end of the season. Is it normal for coaches to shower after matches? What a question. Interesting question, yes. Um, I think... Ash was probably only just come out of the game, hasn't he? And I think he's still feeling that kind of player scenario. But yeah, it wouldn't be abnormal for coaches. Um, quite often the suit managers stay in the suit after. 
So like a Harry, I wouldn't see a Harry in the shower after or a Roy Hodgson, for instance. But it would be weird because they haven't played. So surely you're having a shower because you've been playing. Like, isn't it just a bit no, weird? No, if you've been at work. The manager would be like, oh, I'll join in as well <laughs> for the crack. Like, it doesn't make any sense. No, but you know, it, like, if, you, if you've been at work, like, you might come home and have a bath or a shower after work. Like, like maybe I don't I don't think like I don't finish a radio show and then we all jump in the shower like it's kind of weird <laughs> enough that like you're doing it because you played like it's for a manager to have been stood on the sidelines and then to take off their suit or track suit and jump in the shower it just feels a bit it's a bit like why are you doing that I don't know I mean like you don't think that's weird no, I, don't, I don't listen sometimes have you seen the managers on the side like getting pissed on for like the whole game or you know they're, they're, they're stressed out and sweating and hot like why not <laughs> but surely the last thing you'd want right as a manager if this team has been winding you up they're not they're not following the instructions is to strip down naked and go into the changing room and have a shower with well, you, you know what? I'd have my own shower over end of the over end well, of the quite, ground quite often now um, the stadiums the brand new stadiums have a a coach's room with showers in totally separate from the players which I agree I think the players showers should be the players showers they have that now the refs have it's just their the own idea sections. everyone needs to have a shower. Like, it's just... I know it happens at football, but it's just a bit oh, weird, isn't it? It's like... It's like it, everyone everyone associated with the coach driver comes in, puts himself in there as well, like... What's well, it like, you know, the mass... Like, usually they wait to the end, but the masseurs and the, 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 the physios and that, they'll have a but shower. they've been in a dugout. The, the, the masseurs have got, like, all the oil on them. They're sweating more than the players. Like, they're literally, like, grafting, like... Massaging. It's clearly I'm in the, the wrong. Here. Clearly I'm in the wrong. It just seems. <laughs> it's just the idea. Everyone piles in. Just, it's just what you do, isn't it? <laughs> the next time you're on the radio, Chris, you'd be like, right, let's we're gonna have a shower. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. what's wrong with it, though. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just, <laughs> it's just they've not played. Right, I'm not Chris? against it. I'm you're just... not against it. You just, you just think it's a bit strange. Is it, is it a bit like having your own, having pants provided for you? Like, yeah. we got into that before. So I think something that you don't do at Radio 1, for instance. There's not many workplaces. Is it not a Radio 1 shower? Like, can you not, so after, after you go, cool, that was a good one. Uh, we had as a great, um, yeah, you know, but... Scott Mill, Scott goes to you, cool, well done today, let's go for a shower. Right. <laughs> quick, quick shower and then let's go to the pub. So, all right, but then it would make some sense. you're going straight out after a day's work, can you not have a Radio 1 shower yeah, so and then go Scott out? Yeah, so me and Scott in the shower, right? We've just done a great radio show, really happy with it, yeah. we jump in the shower. But by your analogy then, my boss comes over from the other side, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jumps, jumps in as well. Yeah. You know, a couple of the techie guys yeah. that have been like, they come in. Yeah, the you sound know. guy, Chris, on <laughs> show today, mate. <laughs> And we all just shower together. Too. Yeah, what, what is wrong with that? I don't get it. <laughs> the um, first day of a new manager, they never come into the into the change room and just like to impose themselves, just take off all their clothes and stand there. You've never been tested like that. No. No one's ever done a team talk completely bollock naked to you guys. No, I mean, listen, you know, there's the famous Poolers headbutt on James Beatty in the shower naked. Yeah. Oh, yes, there was. Um, yeah. That's what I mean. Football's a different world, isn't it? Like, <laughs> if you put that into perspective, right? Like, literally, if you work in a bank or you work for, um, you know, webuyanycar.com, yeah. right? You're sitting there, obviously, or, you know, in a car showroom, whatever. And anyway, number one, it'd be strange if you all just went for a shower. Yeah, you all after, go, you right? finished clock off at five, down, you're all goes, in for a shower. Yeah. Your boss came down and he goes, you know, did you sell that Skoda today? And he went, no. And he went, bang, bugger. <laughs> 
<laughs> it just launched you. And then the worst thing is, after that, the whole of the everyone who worked there kept it all quiet. Yeah. And, not, and everyone worked together and then they all just went back in on Monday. And if he's ever asked about it, he just neither confirms or denies. No one confirms or denies. Everything just moves on. That's great. It's true, actually. Comparing the football world and the real world is... It's quite different. It's what I like. It's shame. As you guys know by now, there's adverts on this podcast and what we wanted to do was give you guys listening the chance to advertise something yourself. Like, we'll give you a space. There's loads of people listening to this. So it's an opportunity for you guys to come on and just sell something that you want to get rid of. So far, and and you guys have been so amazing with the ads you've sent in. So far, we've helped a listener sell a flat. Uh, We showcased a printer, a filing cabinet, and a mini fridge. This episode's advert... Is from Enrique in Spain. Hey Chris, crouching the great Stadman Dave. It's Enrique here sending you greetings from sunny Marbella. So we've got this rather small 80-foot long year available to rent in Puerto Banús. We offer half-day, full-day and multiple-day rates with the captain and crew member included in the service. So yeah, if anyone's interested in renting it out or just getting more information, feel free to message me on Instagram on at corinthos.io, corinthos with a K, and yeah, you guys are more than welcome to come over and record an episode for the pod in the boat. P.S. Crouchy will make sure that we'll get you your two-person pile for one. <laughs> <laughs> you know this podcast, right? never really, like, you, you don't realise how far these stretches. Like, he's in Spain there talking about the pile for one. I'm in Spain, like, next week. I'm half thinking, get on the boat. Pod boat, isn't it? Well, maybe, Sweet. you know, I mean, Grealish must be there by now. Maybe <laughs> maybe we all pile down to Port Badoos, get Grealish on the yacht, have a paella for one. Yeah. I, I'm sure Enrique, pod from there. I don't know Enrique, but like, uh, I'm sure he'll look after you. If you're listening right now, go go and um, go and check out his boat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just Is he sending, selling this boat? Sending listeners towards a boat. <laughs> no, I think it was a charter, wasn't it? Let's get us down there. I, I like the idea that Enrique hires this thing out, but he has obviously the podcast playing on this thing. Um, I think that would be a nice touch. Yeah, that is nice. He must do. We've given away a printer on this thing previously. Mm-hmm. Enrique yeah. stepped up with a yacht. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have sold a house. That's true. Well. That's true. Can't vouch for Enrique, but he sounds like a nice guy. Let us know if you go on it. That's going to be fire. So we've decided on the can design, which is brilliant. We've got more strap lines and slogans to go through. And our producer is getting something very special ready behind the scenes. Uh, what's the latest on the Lau? Uh, yeah, we're about to broadcast the watershed moment for the podcast and our drink, the Lau. I mean, this is big. We will be releasing the half lager and the half stout beverage into the world by the end of the series. And the Brewdog Beer Wizard has sent us this update. Uh, he says, The can design from Simon has been getting printed off and will be on all of the cans for the first run of the load. Massive. We've got room for a number of the best slogans and strap lines on our billboards, so send us the best few and we'll get them put into place. I've also sent you the first attempt of Lout Direct from the Brewdog Brewery in Ellen. We've got the chance to incorporate any feedback before we make the final batch, so let me know what you think. This is very exciting. Okay, so this is what the Lout will, will actually taste like. This is the blend. This is the, the is actual Is this drink. the actual Lout? Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. really? That's what I mean. This is a real moment. What are your first impressions of the look Wait. here, Chris? You know, they've taken your feedback on. They want... It looks perfect. Yeah. Well, it looks dark, mm, but with but it that does look like tan, a lager on a stout, yeah. That light, like that tan glint in it. Mm. Should, well, should we all try it? Have you... Or have you gone ahead? No, no. Should we, should we try it? Okay, let's smell. Three, yeah, two, one. Smell. Smells good. 
It's very nice. The taste is good. Really good taste. That. Do you know what I feel like? It needs Nearly a touch something. more stout. It needs a touch more cream. Okay, so taste good. Texture just needs to be slightly creamier. Tiny bit lagery. Okay, like it just needs that bit more cream added to it. What do, okay. what do you think, Dave? No, I think it's pretty spot on. You know, been blended together well. I think you know, up in that percentage of the stout could provide a little bit of quality, just a bit creamier. Yeah, mm, would J Lo like it? Creamy. I think J Lo would love this. Yeah, I think it's nearly there. Yeah, it's really easy to drink. Goes down really well. Okay, well that's good news. That's progress. We've got the can design. We've got the taste of the Lau. Make it slightly creamier. That's probably going to be our feedback. And then good news, we've got the capability to include a few different slogans on a billboard. Um, I think everyone's getting a bit excited about how this is progressing. So we've spoken about this one before, just the word parched, question mark. Actually, a few people sent this in to us as well. I think that's still the winner. It's my favourite mm. by a mile at the moment. I don't know, you know, hopefully we can go through some more, but parched, question mark, with a low... Simple. Huge on a billboard. Uh, but should we do a couple more messages from listeners who want to get involved in the marketing campaign? Have selected a few others because you never know. We can incorporate a few of these. Well, I mean, you know, we're going to do little billboards well. around the world, aren't we? So mm. we're going to have some ideas. I've got one from Anna here because nobody wants to be parched. Yeah, nice. Good. Simple, Very good. Effective. Josh says, just go with that Brewdog load. Nice. Simple. Uh, Jono's been on. Hi, Jono. says, I've attached my version. Oh. <laughs> But what about who let the dogs laout? This is great because it's a great, it would look great on a billboard, but I'm guessing we're going to hear something now. Great, we are. We're going to hear Jono's uh, slogan. Let's do this. Who let the dogs laout? Who? 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 Who let the dogs laout? <laughs> what I think is amazing about that is we've already got J-Lo involved. <laughs> And now we're bringing more artists. Well, the bar the, men. The bar men. They're, they're going to be involved now, which is great. I think, look, you know, the, the more the better. <laughs> Whatever happened to them? Were they, were they one song, were they? Yeah. What didn't it, wasn't it? Vardy was on, Vardy was jumping. Hey. hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Everybody was having a ball. <laughs> and then, da 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 to get, and then. I think I heard some uh, I heard a woman shout out, Who let the dogs out? <laughs> Surely next Crouch Fest, that's a great booking if we can get them. Dance pop, reggae fusion hip hop band, um started in nineteen seventy <laughs> started in nineteen seventy seven to present. So they they are still going. Does it say any other songs by the Bahamas? I don't think there anything else um, by the charts. Uh Like What I Like? No. Dong Spank. <laughs> oh fuck let's leave it there Dave <laughs> yeah we we might not but then for Crouch Fest we'll have to um... anyone anyone who knows what a dong spank is please <laughs> get in touch but um, Jono I thought that was brilliant that was really good and thank you for recording that and sending that in I got a message here from Nathan he says I would love if you would listen to my theme tune for what will undoubtedly be a huge upcoming campaign for the load Hello, alright lads, how's it going? I like him already. Uh, so, the vision is, football fans, going to the game in the morning, scarves in the air, Brewdog, Billiard, Wizard, football merchandise, and uh, and yeah, everybody in one voice, football terrace style, giving it a bit of this. Alexa, resume. Lau. Lager and stout. The Brewdog, Billiard, Wizard knows what we're about, so come on. We're talking to you. 
Come on, come on, have a louse if you think you're parched enough. Loud, loud, lager and stout. The brood of be a wizard knows what we're about. So come on, we're talking to you. Come on, come on, have a louse if you think you're parched enough. <laughs> Come and have a go if you think you're parched enough. <laughs> that should be the billboard, maybe. Wow, that is good. Oh, wow, enjoyed that. <laughs> that was amazing. Also, the way he duetted with his Alexa speaker as well. <laughs> like, Alexa, what a guy. Well, Nathan, oh, that is extraordinary. And I think the next step with you is to, <laughs> is to get you performing that somewhere. Um, our people will reach out. Keep these coming in because we absolutely love them. We've got jingles, we've got billboards, we've got taglines. Love every single one. Of them. Make sure you get them in. Send them into your uh, to, to our emails or socials because we we absolutely love them. You reckon that's Lewis Enrique? Enrique Iglesias. I have to say, lads, I really enjoyed the uh, the pod today. Uh, I have to thank everyone who's been in touch, contributing and passing the pod. Uh, we'll be back stronger with the next episode. Chamba Wamba. Chamba Wamba, everyone. Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. 